Hope you caught that message. Are you hearing from the voice of the Savior today? The one who has created you loves you. Church, I want you to know that I love you deeply today, but as good as that may be or may not be, Jesus loves you. I want you to hear me say that again. Jesus loves you. Somebody today needs to be reminded, no matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, good or bad, He is head over heels in love with you, not because of what you have done, but because of who He is for you. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 15, we'll be there in just a moment. I've shared this with a couple of you, but uh, maybe not all of you have, have heard that I love Fruit Loops. I found a sale on Fruit Loops this week. You had to buy the enormous, huge box, the size box that nobody should admit that they have in their house. It could feed a family of seven, I think. But I bought it for a family of three, intending to be a person of one, maybe. But I just love Fruit Loops. Now, I've shared this bowl with a couple of people before. And uh, as good as it looks... Some of you have been in my office, I keep this there. It's, it's a little bit of a trick and a play on what you would think. It, it's not real. It, it's fake. It's artificial. Now, I have a friend who makes movie props and makes fake food for the movies. They don't make all kinds of movie props. They just focus on fake food. And uh, she heard me talk about Fruit Loops enough. She decided that I needed to have a bowl of Fruit Loops in my office all the time. But as good as this looks, it's, it's not near as good as the real thing. I share this with you this morning because there's nothing profound in understanding something artificial. There's things all around you all day long that are artificial. Sometimes we prefer something that's artificial because it's easier on us. I love artificial plants. You don't have to water them. You don't have to make sure they have the right soil. They don't even have to have sunlight. They always look good all the time from a distance until you get up close. I have an aunt who enjoyed artificial plants so much that she planted artificial flowers in the front of her house right into the dirt. And people who drove by had no idea. They thought how beautiful those are. But if she didn't take them out in time, people would begin to get the picture when it would snow and the flowers were still the same. You know, fake is good from a distance, but if you want to get close, if you want to have any interaction with it, it fails every single time. We started last uh, week, that's not true, two weeks ago, in a uh, mini-series on the book of John, chapter 15, entitled Abide in the Vine. We're looking at what Jesus is giving us, a word picture of an authentic, a real, not artificial, relationship with Him. And I want to do a quick review uh, for those of you who weren't here two weeks ago or you need a, a reminder to jog your memory. We looked in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8, and we saw that there's some vocabulary Jesus wanted to get out. The vine is Jesus. We, the believers, are the branches. God the Father is the gardener. The Holy Spirit could be seen as the life that comes through the vine. We also saw that Jesus was teaching us in those first eight verses that every believer is a branch. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
We don't need to waste time today trying to look like a branch, try to muster up enough branchness in ourselves. You are a branch. If you are a Christian, if you trust in Jesus, you are a branch. As we talked a couple weeks ago, you may be a sick branch, you may be a withering branch, but you are a branch. Now, not every person is a branch. If you are not trusting in Jesus Christ with your life, you're not a branch. And the rest of what I'm going to say may be very frustrating or even confusing to you. And I'm not trying to frustrate you on purpose. I'm not trying to confuse you. But Jesus gave this teaching to those who are believers. If you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, this is still important for you to know. But know that until you give your life to Jesus, the rest of what I'm talking about that Jesus gives to us will not apply. So every believer is a branch. We also saw that the life of the vine, Jesus, is the exact same life as the branch. There's no two life sources. Wherever the life is in the vine, that's the life in the branch. Friends, some of us needed to catch that a couple weeks ago, that we live our life, and we love it when we get a little dose of life from the Holy Spirit, but we go out and expect to have our life fulfilled through our work. Expect to have our life fulfilled through our families. Expect to have our life fulfilled through whatever hobbies or interests or whatever passions we have. The life source of the branch is the exact same as the vine, Jesus tells us. Fourth, we saw that the purpose of the branch, of the Christian, of you and I, is to bear fruit. That's the purpose. We are here to bear fruit. It brings glory to God when we bear fruit. It's not to do anything else other than to bear fruit. We cannot do it in our own strength. It comes from the Spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. And finally, we saw that the gardener... His role is to prune us. Now, we're not to live our life to try to avoid the knife and hope that he never has to correct us. Every branch needs to be pruned. If we're not pruned, we will have these diversions, these offshoots that that suck the life away from the nutrients of the rest of the fruit that's coming out, and we will begin to wither. We will get blockages in the vine, and the gardener needs to cut out the things that are blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit. That's the calling that Jesus has put before us. That's the authentic relationship, not artificial, not fake. Now, I have to tell you, you have seen Christianity done by somebody in your circle of influence a different way than this. You have seen somebody who portrayed to be a Christian different than what I'm going to tell you. But Jesus is saying, this is not real Christianity. This is not really following him. This may look good from a distance, but when you get up close, you'll see there's no authenticity there. Your life and my life are to be connected to the vine. The the question that rings in my mind is not, did Jesus really mean it, but how? He says, remain in me and I will remain in you, or abide in me and I will abide in you. Okay, I want to do it. As good as the first eight verses were, I'm so thankful that there's verse 9 through 16. And that's what we're to key in on today, verse 9 through 16. We need to hear 9 through 16. Jesus does not leave it up to chance for us to figure out how to have a life connected to the vine. He doesn't give us a riddle that we have to crack the code to get this secret knowledge of what it really takes to be a Christian. No, he spells it out very clearly, very simply, in a compelling way for us. Look with me at John chapter 15, starting at verse 9 through verse 16. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain or abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain or abide in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain or abide in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. I'm so thankful for this passage of Scripture, and I believe that God wants to open up our heart today to check up on how authentically we are in following Him. How do we abide in the vine? If two weeks ago was to see that if we are not connected, we are withering, we are dying, if we don't let Him cut out the blockage, we won't be alive very long spiritually. Today is about how do I stay connected? How do I let the life source flow through me? Jesus doesn't hide it. He clearly states it in this first verse that we looked at today, verse 9. How do we abide in the vine? Abide or remain in his love. If you're taking notes this morning, that's the first blank there on your outline. If you'd like to take notes, pull that out of your bulletin and jot this down. Abide or remain in his love. It's interesting to me that this is where Jesus starts. He says it all starts by remaining, abiding, living in his love. This vine branch relationship, it's rooted there. He doesn't say remain in my wrath. He doesn't say remain or abide in my judgment. He doesn't say abide or remain in debt to me. He says remain, abide in my love. We're going to come back to this and just a few minutes. But this is the root of how we stay connected to him. To remain or abide in his love. Next in verse 10 he tells us to keep or to obey his commands. If we thought that abiding in the vine was some mystical relationship. We learn quickly that it is centered on obedience. So don't miss that. Sometimes we, we get ourselves to think that this deep relationship with Jesus Christ, this intimacy with Jesus is some mystical thing that somebody, some spiritual giant could have, but I could never have it. I can't figure it out. It's too complex. It's, it's such a mystery. Jesus says, hey, if you obey my commands, you love me. You want to abide in me? Do what I tell you. Now, now friends, we would love to make this more complicated because it may present Room for more loopholes. But Jesus says, there's no room for loopholes. Obey my commands. You want to have this authentic relationship? You have to do what I say. You want to have the power of the Holy Spirit flow through you? You have to do what I tell you. It's amazing the things that we'll go through to try to find some secret to a problem. I've been... uh, trying to get my body back in shape again as I remember it, though in my mind it's still the high school football player that I once used to be, where I could pick up and run as far as I wanted to, and it wouldn't be my body that would give out, it would be my lungs from my asthma that would give out. 
And I remember running track, not because I wanted to, but because the football coach said that's what you have to do. And, and I would run to get done. So I would run as fast as I could to get done. And I, I remember my body being able to do it, but I went out and tried the other day to run to get done, and I got done real fast. <laughs> it was just a few mailboxes, and I was done. And I thought, well, there's got to be something that I have forgotten. I don't have my track coach here with me. And, and, you know, in my mind when I run, it just looks like an Olympic track athlete. I mean, just muscle, just moving down the sidewalk. And, and I have a hunch that if you were there to watch, it looked something very different than that. And so I got on where you get all kinds of great help. I got on YouTube and I looked up how to run where it doesn't hurt. And because uh, I was running and it hurt really bad. And, and this track coach guy got on and was giving free advice, so who knows, if you're a track coach, then maybe I got bad advice, and you can help me out later. But he said, you got to know that you're running correctly. And I thought, running correctly? Are you serious? How can you run wrong? You go from here to here as fast as you can. But I was reminded again that if you put your feet out too far, you hit your heels and you, you stop yourself and that's not good and you want to move your arms, but you don't do this because you start taking yourself off center. And, and I begin to see, you know what, I think I looked pretty goofy because I was running like this and I was running with my heels out and no wonder I was so tired. But that wasn't what really caught my attention. At the end of his little tutorial... He said, if you're wanting to build endurance in running, you have to remember, you always have to get uncomfortable and stay uncomfortable for a long period of time. You'll never stretch your endurance in running unless you get uncomfortable and stay there for a long period of time. And this was not encouraging to me. I was hoping to find some secret thing that I'd forgotten that my coach must taught me that when I used to run in high school, it was so easy. But there... The problem is that if you want to grow, if you want to stretch your body, you have to stay uncomfortable for a long period of time. Well, why did I waste time sharing that with you this morning? Friends, I believe when we come across this passage, this verse, and verse 10, we often want to skip over it. Okay, that's good. I'll do what Jesus says. Now tell me, how do I have a deep walk with God? How do I have the power of the Holy Spirit like the apostles in Acts? How can I see God move? I want a New Testament church community in my Sunday school class. How can we have it? Obey what he tells you. Okay, good, yes. But now, how do we do it? Obey what he tells you. Jesus makes it very clear. That it's not partial obedience, it's total obedience that he's looking for. I think many of the people that I've talked to over the years who have struggled in their faith, and, and, and I know that they're meaning well, but often, not always, but often it comes down to this very principle. They say, you know, I just don't feel God like, like others feel God. Are you obeying what he's told you? Well, most of it, but there's this... Well, I, I don't know that I, I hear from God. We just heard an awesome song about hearing from the voice of the Savior. I don't hear from God. I'm not making fun of you, friend. Are you obeying what he's already told you? Well, I didn't want to hear that. Hearing from the voice of God means that you are willing to hear whatever it is he has to say to you. If you want to have an authentic, vibrant, fresh, up-to-date relationship with Jesus, we have to stay connected in the vine. It starts by rooting ourselves in his love and obeying what he tells us. Jesus doesn't say, contemplate my commands. He doesn't say, memorize them. 
He doesn't say, use them as a loose guideline for your living. He says, obey what I tell you. Friend, if you're not walking in total obedience, you're walking in defiance. And maybe you've heard the story of a mom who wanted to teach some discipline to her son and, and what it meant to obey all the time, not just some of the time. And, and so she got this idea, as the story tells, that she was going to cook up a batch of cookies. And her son loved chocolate chip cookies. And so she got all the ingredients together and, and he was out playing and she said, they're going to be done, but they're going to be special this time. Okay, mom, I love chocolate chip cookies. So she got big chunks of chocolate and put it in the dough and all these kind of things. And yet she went out to the backyard to get some mystery ingredients. And she gathered up some mystery ingredients and brought it in and and added just a little bit. And her son came in and she said, little Johnny, I've got fresh baked chocolate chip cookies for you. But there's a mystery ingredient inside. It's not very much. In fact, it's a byproduct of the dog and it's left out on the grass. You can fill in the blank of what that was. And she took just a little smidget of the dog waste and mixed it in with the chocolate. Mixed it up in this batch of cookies and said, well, it's just a little bit. Mom, that's disgusting. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to put that in my mouth. Well, I mixed it up over all of them. Well, which cookie did you put it in? Well, it's just a little bit. It's probably in all of it. But, but Mom, that's so gross. I don't want to put that in my mouth. It's just a little bit. It's mostly chocolate. Mom, who wants to eat even a little bit of dog waste? She said, that's how I feel when you say, I obey you most of the time, Mom. See, God is telling us that a little bit of disobedience is going to spoil the whole batch. It's going to mess up everything in our relationship with Him. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. But you'll recognize this is the mental game that sometimes we play, if we're real honest. Father, forgive me of my sins that I committed yesterday. But in the back of our mind, we're planning on meeting him tomorrow to ask him forgiveness of the sins that we're going to commit tonight. We're going to choose to be disobedient in certain areas. He moves on. Jesus talks about this relationship. Let's look at verse 11 again. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Told you what? I have told you about this relationship that's rooted in my love where you are obedient to me so you can have my joy to make you complete. You want to have the joy of the Lord? It's in a deep, vibrant relationship with Him. And obedience is at the key of that. This new word enters this chapter and the Lord tells His disciples that He wants them to experience the joy that He has. It's an inspiring thought that Jesus calls His followers into joy. The Christian life, it's not some shallow, horrible existence of pain penance somehow. It's the joy of the Lord in us when we are living for Him. How we abide in Him, remain in Him, living in His love, being obedient to what He tells us. Now look at verse 12 through 13 with me. Jesus has given us some great instruction here. And so far it's been about us. The branch and the vine, Jesus. It's a bit about the gardener, the father, pruning us. But he takes a turn and begins to talk to us about something different in verse 12 and 13. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The the second key thing we need to catch today is not only how to be connected and live a life in the vine, but we need to see That God is longing for the vertical to invade the horizontal. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. It's so important for us to keep this relationship with God right. But if it never invades the people around us, we have missed the whole thing. Sometimes Christians get so busy figuring out how to live and how they should be loving God that they forget to love one another. We can be so focused on on being in this deep relationship with Jesus and hearing from Him and being in such great communion with Him that we forget to love one another. And Jesus says, if you are connected in me, if you have this vertical life going on, it should invade the love you have for everybody around you. This is one of the litmus tests of the artificial vine. It's one thing to display some fake fruit, but fake fruit never works with the people around you. You see, loving others is a way that we can love God. And if I'm really going to have a deep relationship with Him, I need to understand that He's calling me to love the people around me as well. We need unity instead of rivalry in the body. We need trust instead of suspicion. We need humble service instead of self-assertion. The ruler of the day must be love in our hearts, not a get-my-own-achievement-done. God says, if you're not loving those around you, you're not connected to me. Let me cut out something that's blocking the flow of my spirit. Friend, are you abiding in Christ? Are you connected to the vine? Is the sap, the life of the Holy Spirit, flowing freely through you? You see, the measure of our love for one another is His love flowing out of us. It's not your love. It's His love flowing out of us. See, Brady's love is going to fall short every single time. Your love will fall short every single time. We need the love of Jesus to flow through us. When we remain in Him, abide in Him, He will abide in us. His love will be in us. See, our love is not going to cut it. Remember, verse 9 started with this root in His love. See, when we remain or abide in Jesus' love, loving His way, He does some things in us. He frees us. From the tyranny of self-love, self-interest. He frees us from crippling guilt that gets us to turn inward and we can't see anybody else but ourselves. He forces our thoughts on others, not on our own problems or our own shortcomings. He restrains our selfish desires. He comforts us by the Holy Spirit. He challenges us with his own example of patience and concern from others. You see, with this powerful love... In this life within us, we can be channels of His love to flow out of us to others. I remember, uh, it wasn't that long ago, it must have been about a year and a half now, uh, we, we weren't living in, in Indiana, and it was a Saturday morning, and uh, our daughter, Caden, who's seven, so then she would have been about five and a half or so, she crawled into our bed as she does a lot of Saturday mornings, which would be a great thing if it happened at like 10 o'clock. But when it happens at like 6 or 7, you say, what in the world? And so I was playing possum, trying to pretend to be asleep. And, and I could sense that somebody had crawled on the bed. And Caden had gotten about two inches from my face, just staring. See, she knew better than to wake mom and dad up. But she was just going to wait and see until we wake up. 
And I could sense this stare coming in at me. And so I opened my eyes and I saw this little face right here. And she said, Dad, you're awake. Let's go out and play. She'd remember the promise that I'd made to her the night before. And, and I quickly responded, Tayden, just give me a few more minutes to sleep and then we can go out to play. Her face turned, and it wasn't just that she had to wait a few more minutes, but she responded, and she said, Dad, something died inside of you, and it's all over your breath. (laughs) It's nothing like the honesty of a little kid to set you straight and tell you when you need some scope, when you need some mouthwash. Friends, we need the honesty of those around us who will tell us straight when something is flowing out of us other than the love of God. There are some things that are coming out of us as believers that's anything but the love of God. Something has died in our heart and our life, and it is reeky, stinky what comes out of us. Why is it that Christians have a name to be some of the most curt and rude people? Why is it we feel like the world owes us something more than anybody else? Why is it that we are are so characterized by not being a forgiving group of people? Could it be that something has died and we've allowed some mental picture of what used to be to replace what is and our understanding of our relationship with God? Could it be that there's something artificial there where maybe it used to be alive and connected, but it needs to be revived? I don't care how vertical you think you are, if the horizontal is not invaded by your relationship with Jesus, this is no longer authentic because God calls us to love those around us. The third thing I want us to catch is the blessings of abiding in the vine. Verse 14 through 16, talk about what we can expect that come from this deep relationship with him. First, in verse 14 and 15, we see we come to a deeper and more intimate relationship with Christ. When I am abiding the vine, when I'm living in the vine, I have a deep, intimate relationship with Christ. It is something that is unlike anything else in the world. You see, in these verses... Jesus begins to refer to them a little bit differently. The disciples were Jesus' servants. But he wanted to elevate their status to friends. But we, we can't forget that in the Old Testament, in the era of which they would have learned, even though this is New Testament time, but what they would have inherited is to be a servant wasn't always a negative thing. It, it was in a kind of a positive sense as more of a, a worker, but they were elevated and it had to catch them by surprise that they would now be called friends Instead of a servant, because until this time, the only person who was called a friend was Abraham. He was called a friend of God, but now the circle is being widened to let the disciples in. They were being called to a deep relationship with Jesus. Not a surface relationship, not even just a servant relationship, but a deep, intimate relationship. I love what Richard Foster has to say about this. Superficiality is the curse of our age, he says. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Jesus was calling them to a deeper relationship with himself. 
No longer could they be considered servants. They were now considered to be friends because a servant didn't know what the master's business was. But Jesus says, now in this intimate relationship with you, I'm going to tell you everything the Father has told me. You are going to have all the access to the Father through me, and I'm going to tell you what is on his heart. It amazes me how many Christians miss this great blessing. When we abide in the vine, we will hear from Jesus. Just as the song said, that I will hear the voice of a Savior. It's not just the one time when he calls you and saves you from sin, but he wants to talk to you all the time. Jesus is speaking. One of my favorite questions to ask is, what has Jesus been teaching you lately? What has Jesus said to you lately? It it never ceases to amaze me some of the responses I get when I ask that question. Now, I don't ask this question to try to judge somebody. I'm I'm honestly interested in what Jesus is telling you. I want to know what he's saying to you. But so many times I can get a blank stare. I can get just kind of a stunned, I don't know what Jesus has said to me lately. Jesus is telling us if we are having a vibrant relationship with him, we will hear from him what's on the Father's heart. What is he teaching you? What is he saying to you? Friend, he wants to take you deeper. He wants to communicate to you what's on the Father's mind. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, you just look at verse 14 and 15 and you argue with Scripture. We need to be careful not to become prideful. We think of ourselves as a friend of God or a friend of Jesus, then we have it all a corner on the market, and he told me what about you? Be careful. Look at the next verse. Look what he says. We see here in verse 16, we didn't find God. God found us. He chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. And before we get too excited about this deep relationship that we are something special, remember that he chose you. You didn't just get your act together and choose him. He sought you out. One of the benefits of being connected in the vine is you'll have a deep, intimate relationship with him, and you will hear from him, and you will understand that he seeks you out. You didn't seek him out. He also empowers us to produce fruit that will last another evidence of artificial fruit is not only when you get close and expect it is it wrong but it just doesn't last he will empower us to produce a fruit that will last forever and finally we look at verse 16 the the last part and even back to verse 7 from a couple weeks ago a benefit of this relationship being connected to the vine is you will be given what you ask for in christ's name how is your prayer life If I'm connected in the vine, I should be able to expect him to answer prayer. Now, this is not answering your greeds. This is not giving you your wish list. But this is, Father, tell me what's on your heart. I want to pray and expect to see an answer. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you prayed and God didn't answer the way that you want, then I'm not saying you're you're a shallow Christian. But what I am saying is, if you can't think of any time that God has answered any prayer, there's a couple things happening. Maybe you're not praying, maybe you're not writing it down to remember, or maybe, possibly, you are not connecting in the vine to Him and allowing Him to direct your prayers. See, we know that prayer changes things. And we are one of those things. The more I pray for someone, you know why Jesus says pray for your enemy? It's to help the enemy, yes, but more often than not, it's to help me. Because when I pray for someone every day who aggravates me, all of a sudden, it's just like it begins to change my attitude towards them. God wants to answer our prayer. Let him answer as we pray in him. 
As we close this morning, the takeaway for all of us, I believe, is this question. Are you a reluctant servant or are you an intimate friend of Jesus? Are you at the place where you need to be spiritually or does he need to do some pruning? This bowl of cereal that I talked to you about that's artificial, there's one thing that's not completely true that I told you. The Fruit Loops that are in here are actually real Fruit Loops. It's just been encased in glue and something else. I'm not sure what else. They look like milk. And uh, there's a couple kids that came into my office a few weeks ago, and they uh, tried to test that out, and they pried a few of them out. And I guess that didn't hurt them because before I could get to them, they chewed on them. And they're real Fruit Loops. Friends, some of us, even in our authentic experience with God, we've been encased in some stuff that keeps us in an artificial mold. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to chisel away at the stuff that needs to be cut out so you can have a fresh, flowing move of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you a reluctant servant that, okay, maybe, or am I moving to be an intimate friend of Jesus? How do I know Do you do what he commands? He wants to love you enough to help you to do his commands. Do you know what he wants for the world? Is he speaking to you about what others need around you that you could help answer? Do you know how Jesus thinks about the people around you? He wants to invade the horizontal. As we pray today, I believe this is one of those messages where God is calling us to just be obedient. There's a time to linger and to pray, and there's a time to get up and just say, God, I'm going to go in obedience. And I think today is one of those days. As I pray, I want to invite you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for this time in your presence this morning. We have lifted your name on high in praise. We have cried out to you in desperate need of your healing, of your provision, of your strength to move the mountains in our life. And as we've opened our heart to your word today, I pray that you will begin to put your thumb in our back on where we are at in our relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those who may have a word of conviction from you. I pray that they will be willing to let you take the pruning knife and cut out what is blocking the flow of your spirit. Take away the mystery, Lord, that sometimes we walk around and I just don't know how to have a deep walk. I just don't know how to go deeper. I just have not seen the things of God that others have seen. Lord, help us to understand it's rooted in your love. Help us to be obedient to what you say and help us to continue to allow you to invade those around us with what you're teaching us in our own life. Thank you, Father, for your word. We receive it. And we go in obedience. Let it be so. Amen and amen.